0: Theology for the Rest of Us is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Are you an individual looking to go on a mission trip? Or a church leader wanting to take your group overseas? We all know that planning mission trips can be tough. Blue Sky makes it easy. Learn more at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. This is episode 24, and I've got my friend Blaze Foray back with us. If you didn't get a chance to check out the last episode, go check out episode 23 well, Blaze got a chance to share some really cool stuff on seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. So, Blaze, thanks for joining us for another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. And the question I'd love for you to answer today is, uh, what was the sequence of events that led you to kind of discovering grace, really rediscovering who Jesus really was, and how's that impacted your life over the last several years?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Kenny. Um, I think uh, it kind of like when we were talking earlier you know we were just talking about how the the initial experience of coming to christ is it's hard to it's hard to put theology on that you know it's hard to uh say what it was and what happened you just know geez this is like something supernatural and i feel like i'm i've been encountered you know and um and and so i love that because i Gosh, I think it's Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, or 1, verse 6. or um, I'm totally botching it right now, but it's in there, I promise. <laughs> um, but it, uh, he says, you know, in the same way that you received Christ, so walk in him. And so it's it's in the same manner that you received Christ at the beginning, so continue in him. And so in layman's terms, I, I just like to think of it, hey, remember those old days? Just like do that. You know, and um, I think so many times we uh, we just end up, and people aren't even trying to do this all the time. I mean, I I preached from the time I like got saved at 15 years old. I can I started preaching at 15, 16 and preached. I continue to preach now. And But over the years, I never tried to put more um, rules and regulations on people. I always tried to keep it simple and all about Jesus. But it just turns into that over the years, you know. And so I put yeah. little extra things on people. And I think that's what happened to me over the years when I was younger is people just continue to tell me different things and different ideas and different... Um, things to add to my faith you know that i should do and uh whether that be like a spe- specific amount of prayer that we need to be having or a specific amount of fasting or um sp- just spiritual disciplines in and of themselves and uh, which those can be awesome and great just as any discipline in life can be but um but when you lose sight of what the discipline's for or uh Or if you find a faster way, you know, if you're trying to reach an experience with Christ through a spiritual discipline, and um, honestly, what happens is your faith gets attached to that discipline. And so that's why when you do that discipline, you experience Christ, because your faith is in that discipline. And so, of course, Christ meets you where your faith is. And so what I began to find was, um, oh, okay, the, the whole point of the gospel is that our faith is in Christ, and Christ is in us. And so I don't have to go through these ladders or these uh, climb these ladders or go through these mazes or to go through these rituals to experience him, but he's here and he's now and he's, he, he's with me and in me. And so that was a pretty quick, that was a big awakening for me back in 2012, um, just revisiting some of the uh, epistles of Paul and um, looking at those things again and some of the sim- simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of the message of the gospel, what he did, he did on his own on behalf of all. And um, and so over the years, I, I found that my initial experience with that revelation of like not having to get God to come to me, but that he did it already, that was just the first step. And and, and in, after I began to awaken to that, I, I feel like God started to very quickly um, transition to my heart to see that it's not just about me, um, and I've, I've, I've always been a, an evangelist type, and so I've always been one that wants to reach people, but it became very clear to me that the cross wasn't just about me. It was about everybody, and so um, so in the same way, the passion that I have for souls and for people and uh, is the same passion— but to an even greater mes- measure that God has and his passion is greater than mine and his ability is greater than mine. And, uh, and that's what the cross is about. It's about what he could do on behalf of all. And so, um, I definitely started immediately, uh, just, I mean, it, it scared the heck out of me. I'll be a hundred percent honest. <laughs> it scared me because I was doing pretty well in ministry. I was working at a ministry in Kansas city and I was, I was like being set up to be a leader in some different departments and I was traveling some to speak and, Um, and dude, this just like, it ruined me and I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't go with what I had done before. And, um, and so it scared me, but I, I, you know, I'd always been the kind of go for broke type of guy. It's like, okay, Jesus, if this is you, I'm going for it. Even if it makes me look like an idiot, even if I lose my, my, uh, ministry connections, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And so um, just letting him lead me the best of my own ability, you know, or the best that I could just like be humble and open and teachable. And, um, and then at the same time, I don't want to just say God led every single thing that I think, because at the end of the day, I mean, you have a thousand different people saying a thousand different theologians saying they have a thousand different spiritual experiences that God led them to. And so we're, We're all figuring this thing out, but I've just definitely found that I'm more open and more teachable, and I let the Holy Spirit guide me and lead me, and I'm also open to other people's thoughts. Um, Yeah.
0: That's really, really great stuff. You you mentioned something that I can't help but want to just want to highlight for a moment. You said, you you know, I'm going to chase Jesus. I'm going to do this. If this is what the Lord is is at, even if it costs me some of my ministry connections or ministry platform— why would it cost you a ministry platform and I think I know the answer but I think I'd love to kind of hear you what why would that be a dangerous thing for you to pursue that which you think is the lord
1: dude because ministry is a freaking business bro it's, <laughs> it's a business dude and i'll tell you this i'll tell you this too man it's not even like it's just a business and people are just trying to swindle and make money that's not even what I mean completely but it's it's also it is the most fear driven culture I have ever witnessed in my life. Um, you know, specifically in some of the circles that I came out of, and in more of the evangelical uh, charismatic um, circles, you have all of these, and this dives into gr- much bigger topics, but. You have all these ideas about the end of the world and apocalyptic judgment coming and Christians are going to lose their faith and fall away from God and there's a great deception coming and, um, you know, all these kind of ideas that you can pull from Scripture and turn them into modern-day scenarios that make everybody under your care, everybody in your flock or in your ministry or in your church, you can scare the daylights out of them by, like, telling them that, hey— if you deviate from these ideas, from our doctrines, then you are starting, you're going to be falling away, or you're going to be losing your faith, or you're going to, um, the end of falling away means you're going to burn in hell, basically. And so, like, you know, I mean, aside from just, like, Calvinists, who, like, were, for me, when I was just a charismatic evangelical, Calvinists bugged me the most because they were, like, so chill and so relaxed. They were just like, ah, whatever, you know, like, 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 I can't lose, I can't lose my faith anyway, so like, or, you know, so I'm just like, what the heck, dude, you need to get in, get in gear, bro, you're gonna freaking lose your faith and burn in hell, you know, that's like my idea, and and I'm not a Calvinist, but I appreciate so many things about that, mm-hmm. and, and I actually agree with tons of the points, um, because I think it has more to do with the sovereignty of God's grace and His actual ability to do something on our behalf that we couldn't do. So... All that to say, man, is is um, if you are a blossoming preacher a, and have a ministry in the charismatic or evangelical movement, if you start to deviate from some of what they would call the orthodox views, which the, even the idea of orthodox views is hilarious to me, because it's um, church history is full of different ideas, Christocentric ideas that. Fully revolve around Christ, but are move all around in the spectrum of what we would call orthodoxy. But nowadays, just really in the last like 300, 400 years, it's become such a tightrope to walk. And if you even ask a question about some of the um, about some of the like hot topic issues in doctrine and theology, then you can you're done for. Just by asking the question. I don't think that we have to agree on everything um, in order to, you know, I'm planting a church here in Asheville. My wife and I are about to start up a church in February. And dude, I just have, because of all the experience that I've had with uh, with all these different movements and things, I just realized, man, that I'm going to keep such an open mind to people thinking differently than me. Um, because I don't want anybody to ever feel like they can't come because they don't fully agree with something I said about a certain doctrine or a certain issue. Even if there's unbelievers there that don't fully believe in Christ yet, I'm going to say, "Dude, that's okay. You can come here. I want you to be here. That's good. That's the point. I want you here. You know. Yep. That's why we That's why we exist. You know. That's
0: really so, good. Um, well, how would you? How would you respond? And I again, I I hear. I can hear the critics, right? I can hear the people that say. Well, you're, you know, if you're being so quote unquote open to different perspectives, the critics would say to you, well, then you open yourself up to potential heresies or blasphemies. You you open yourself up for the wolves to come in and attack the flock and do damage to the body of Christ. I'm sure you've heard those types of things before. Sure. When you hear those types of thoughts, and and I'm not even sure that that's all wrong. I get the, I understand the perspective of why people are nervous.
1: I do too, yeah. Um
0: so how do you respond to that typically?
1: Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I totally get that. And I think, um, I think that, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm saying be open to different perspectives. I'm not saying hand the mic to everybody that thinks they got the new thing, you know. Right. Um, but I, 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 think, uh, I think we can have some kind of, if we're not open to conversation, then that means we're closed-minded and we're afraid. And so we have to trust the spirit of truth. We have to trust that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and going to help us. And even if we get a little bit off track, uh, because even those that would say, well, dude, watch out for the wolves, you know, how do they know they're not a wolf? (laughs) You know, how do you know that you're not? I mean, honestly, the whole point of like of. Paul getting all pissed off in the New Testament was most of his letters. He's he's mainly ticked off about the fact that the wolves, which were the legalists, were coming in and trying to get people to circumcise themselves again and do all this crazy crap. And so nowadays we embrace legalists like they were the sheep. You know, we embrace yeah. them like they're the Messiah. But um, a lot of the stuff comes from legalism that Paul was fighting against. And so, so I that's one thing that I'm intense about. I don't want any any peop anybody. Um, weighed down by legalistic mindsets. At the same time, you know, we'll listen to perspectives, and I'm not afraid to bring correction. I'm not afraid to tell somebody, Hey, man, that's like that's BS. What you just said, I, I totally disagree with that. And I'll let them look at me and say, No, I think what you're saying is BS. And I'm, and that's where we have to actually grow some thick skin and be willing to talk about the issues. And for me, if we're going to be Christians, that means we're going to stick on the issue of Christ. We're going to be Christocentric. Now, once we get outside of talking about Christ, and then, then that's where you go, okay, cool, maybe maybe you need to start a different kind of church or a Unitarian thing or something. But if we're going to stick on the, on the issue of Jesus Christ, then there's all kinds of other things that we have to be open to, um, such as you know, the, the big and main topics or even the side doctrines that we have to allow conversation without kicking people out or without threatening them or, you know, strong arming them to like agree with us. And I've seen too much of that. Honestly, I've seen too much back too many backroom um, conversations where we're trying to strong arm people to not share their opinion. And uh, and I think it's completely uh, dangerous. So
0: blaze, thanks for taking a few minutes out to just invest in my audience and, and my people. I really appreciate that, man. Thanks for just you know, driving home the point that grace is incredible and that we don't have to do anything to merit the favor of god that that jesus really has accomplished it for us and and also just thanks for for challenging us to be open-minded and to be objective as we dialogue and kind of the importance of that as we kind of even just discuss theological concepts so thanks for taking time to stop by the theology for the rest of us podcast. to all of our listeners thank you so much for listening today I am always grateful for you. I hope that uh, my conversation with Blaze has has been insightful and helpful to you and an encouragement to you. If you'd like to connect with me, please feel free to do so. best way to do that is on Twitter. My handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Also, a quick reminder, if you have not had the chance to subscribe, please do so immediately. Go over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast catching app you are using. Hit the subscribe button. It guarantees that you get every episode delivered right to your device, and it helps us out a ton in our search rankings, helps us reach more people, so please subscribe. If by chance you have a question about theology that you'd like to have answered on the podcast, we'd love to do that. Shoot me an email, heyortiz at com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been theology for the rest of us.